Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Tina Koto Katoa. I thought this talk should come with a warning, like the ones they put on TV, because most of you are probably more comfortable with hearing about mental health issues that are out there in our community than hearing about mental health issues that are here in this room or online or between our ears. It's not my desire to make you feel uncomfortable, but I hope that by the end of our time together, you do feel that you have some tools to understand and support your own and others' mental health challenges. Because in New Zealand, we do have some significant issues in regards to mental health. Here's a little video that seeks to explain that.
As you saw in that presentation, we have a lot of people at any given time in our community experiencing mental health distress. If that isn't you, then it's someone you know. We should be proud of the people here in our church that over 32 years ago, when all the mental institutions were closing down, said, if we don't do something, who will? That was the beginning of what is today known as EQUIP, a faith-based response to mental health needs. EQUIP is a very practical part of putting our faith into action. It started with one home for up to six people, no contract from the government, and volunteers from this church stepping up and doing what they could to accommodate and support people who found themselves back in the communities they'd been separated from for a long time. If we fast forward to today, right across Auckland, Equip has staff providing a variety of supports and services. We've grown to employ around 80 staff, and we're always looking for ways to innovate and respond to needs in our community. For example, in the last year, we've set up a peer support service where people who have their own lived experience of mental health challenges are available to support others in their challenges. Isn't it great to know that we have a response to mental health needs coming from our own faith community? Equip is our church's professional response. But what I'd like to talk about today is our community response how we as individuals and as a congregation can enhance the mental well-being of those around us and of ourselves. What is the Christian response to mental health illness? The Bible doesn't speak to it directly, and it just wasn't a category of illness that was used in Bible times, but you can certainly see examples of it. For example, in Nebuchadnezzar, in the book of Daniel 4, 33-34. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honoured and glorified him who lives forever. The Bible was a book of its time. When it talks about illness, it doesn't talk about microbes or infections. And when it describes obvious mental illness, it doesn't use language like depression, neurosis, or psychosis. But what the Bible does record is Christ's response to people who are sick with all illnesses, who are imprisoned or who are outcasts. And he gave them his attention, his care, and his help. The Bible often records Christ's interactions with lepers people who are outcasts because of their illnesses. To do so took courage because any contact with lepers went against the accepted practice of the times. Even though it's changing, people with mental health issues today can still be treated like lepers. The history of how society has treated people with mental illness is incredibly sad. Locking them up away in asylums, banishing them, subjecting them to cruel quack remedies. In the past, the church has tended to demonise, isolate or expel people experiencing this, largely, I think, because they took their cues from society who tend to ignore, remove or lock people up. Fortunately, over the last few decades, there have been new insights and understandings that mental health issues are an illness. It's not a moral failure 
And there are clues in the Bible around how to support each other, how to help, how to step forward, seek understanding, listen, or get help for someone or for yourself. And remember, mental health issues are not something people choose. There can be several causes that lead to diagnosis. It could be a chemical imbalance, a head injury, it could be drug-induced, birth trauma, stress, or it could even be hereditary. It's just not our place to judge why we think someone has mental health issues, including addictions or alcoholism. Maybe their lifestyle clashes with what we think is right, but stepping away from people like that because we feel more moral than them is not an option for Christians. At the heart of who we are as a community is that we accept people. As Grant says regularly, that no perfect people are allowed because we're all human and we all have our own challenges. So we step forward in love. A huge obstacle to us acknowledging our own mental health issues and seeking help is the shame, the totally unnecessary sense of guilt that our brains aren't working as well. We don't feel that shame and embarrassment if we have a sore joint or a heart or a lung problem, and yet we feel guilty when our brain, which is just another bodily organ, plays up. This is not to scare you. In fact, it's meant to encourage you. Anyone can have mental health issues. We can't relax and say, well, that's never going to happen to me. Everyone has the potential to come to a point where they struggle to function as they usually would if enough is going on for them. And I think we all come to a point at some stage of realising our brain is not always our friend. And for some, this becomes more chronic than it does for others. What this slide is showing us is that we all have everyday stressors, like paying the bills, getting out the door in the morning, coping with the neighbour who we find challenging. The list, it can be endless, eh? A lot of these things need to be problem-solved as they come up, so that you have a bit of a buffer between everyday stress and your point of breakdown. Of course, it's pretty unlikely you'll know what your point of breakdown is, so it's wise to keep those everyday stresses as minimal as possible. However, a lot of these things are out of your control. There's not much you can do about a cranky neighbour, well, legally anyway, unless you move. Bills come, and they continue to come in. And your kids will be there for years unless you sell one or two of them on trade meat. Good luck with that. We all have big things happen in our lives that are unexpected. I've already told you about a couple of mine in the past. We lost our beautiful granddaughter. I got an awful health diagnosis. Neither of these things were planned or expected or wanted. Stuff happens, and if we have too much of the everyday issues unresolved in our lives, then these big things can tip us over and we can stop functioning as we normally would. Of course, not everyone gets to that point. A lot of people manage to function even when they have a lot of stress going down on them. Even if you can't reduce your stress, you can increase your resilience to cope with it. Part of what we can do is to help ourselves and others get through stressful times. And we do that by enhancing our resilience. And I'll come to that later. But my big point is that none of us are immune. Mental health issues are common. 
One in two people in their lifetime will experience mental health distress or illness. Three in four New Zealanders know someone who has experienced mental illness. One in two people in New Zealand have felt stressed to the point it made them feel unable to cope. One in four have considered suicide or self-harm in the last year here in New Zealand. And four people in five know or have known someone living with dementia. And by the way, a big shout out to Helen and Cliff Miller, and I hope you're all watching the restaurant that makes mistakes. They're heroes. So again, with it being that common, that is either you, me, or someone we know. For some people, it is fortunately short and not too severe, but for a significant number of our community, it becomes pervasive and long-term. Mental health issues can severely impact your ability to work, maintain housing, stay connected with friends, as well as affect your physical well-being. Having a quip as part of our church also does not mean we can all sit back and relax and go, well, that's great. They can step up. Good old equip. We can be proud of equip and the other services here that Life Care Trust and the Hub run. But when you look at those statistics we saw on how common mental health issues are here in our community, equip can't do it all. I want to encourage you as people of faith to step up and be the friends or supportive family members to individuals in distress. While Jesus does not specifically command us to care for people with mental health issues, I think he gives us a framework that suggests we can and that actually he's relying on us to do it. We are his solution when we are helping. The good news is that a number of people recover completely or are able to live a full life despite having mental health challenges. But that usually means they have a team around them. Professionals like GPs and specialists, they play a role. But so do family and mates, their community, when it is engaged with them. Recently, I watched on YouTube a very old American This Is Your Life program, which featured Johnny Cash. And with great speed, they wheeled in friends and family and workmates who told stories from his past. Johnny Cash has been very open about his battles with drugs. And the guests included his pastor, his psychiatrist, even a cop who arrested him for having drugs. But all of them had supported him to get his life back on track. And it was incredibly touching. The stories of their belief in Johnny during his darkest days with addiction and mental health issues. Again and again, lay people believed in him and supported him and his family, practically, very practically. He was very emotional as they appeared on stage. And I just kept thinking, a village got him to wellness. God was very real in supporting and touching Johnny through all of those people. And even the psychiatrist admitted he did very little. It was Johnny's determination and his supported family and friends that got him through. In Matthew 25, 34 to 40, we read, Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my father, take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick 
and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to see you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. And in 1 John 4 verse 7 to 10 we read, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might, through him, love. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that once we were upon a time loved God, but that he loved us, sent us his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and damage they've done to our relationship with God. Jesus frames up love as action, doing something. Even back in biblical times, though some were slow or cautious to learn, and we all know the story of the Good Samaritan, but here is a quick refresh from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Just then a religious leader stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to earn eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said, oh, well, that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and all your muscle and prayer and intelligence and that you love your neighbour as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you'll live. Looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define neighbour? Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man travelling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite religious man showed up, and he also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan, travelling the road, came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him, and he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey and led him to an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, I'll pay it on my way back. What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbour to the man attacked by the robbers? Oh, the one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar responded. Jesus said, Go and do the same. You know, among other things, Jesus was making a point that your neighbour can be anyone, not just those you feel you relate to, in the story, the religious leaders walked by, but the one man who would have had real issues with stopping to help an enemy stopped and helped in a very practical way. He applied first aid to the wound. He took him to a safe place to rest. He paid for his accommodation. He made plans for future payment if it was required. We don't read about him praying for the injured man and then keeping on walking. I believe God calls each of us to be willing to be available, to respond to those in mental distress. More often than not, it's not going to be a stranger or even an enemy like the Good Samaritan encountered. 
They are in our family. They're in our friendship groups, our school, our workplace, our gym. You get the idea. At Equip, we want to help you feel resourced and confident about supporting your neighbour by putting your faith into very practical action without any strings attached and without expecting anything in return by just being Christ in a very genuine way. Nowadays, it's generally accepted that the best way to help people in mental distress is to support them to independence, not dependence. I think Jesus is wanting us to help people, not rescue people, not to make them dependent on us. But every person with these challenges needs at least one or two people in their corner, holding hope for them, letting them know they are seen and believed in and who are prepared to be there to support them through the tough crossroads they encounter and helping them in a very practical way. We can do that. So what helps? When we look at what Jesus told us to do, it's very practical in meeting needs. There are some basic tips that you can apply to anybody in this situation. Treat the person with respect and dignity. Don't blame them for their situation. Have really realistic expectations. When someone is struggling, they are often just not able to function as you think they should. So dial down the pressure. Offer consistent emotional support and understanding. So that means no judgment. Give them hope for recovery. Provide practical help with regular contact, calls, texts, coffees, visits, perhaps inviting them to a social gathering if they feel comfortable. Make someone's life a bit easier by offering to get them to appointments. Maybe help with the weekly shopping. Basically anything that's helpful to them. What doesn't help is telling them to harden up or get a grip or saying things like, there's nothing to worry about. It's also helpful to upskill your knowledge so you can be sure your support is really empowering as well as feeling you know where to go to get help or how to react if someone you are supporting looks to be becoming more distressed. A really simple way to do that is to sign up for one of Equip's regular mental health first aid courses that we run. And you can find out about them on our website. This course will help you understand some common diagnoses, what works regarding support, what might get in the way of someone's recovery. And just as it sounds, you'll know what to do if a situation escalates with an individual's well-being. This is, of course, information you can apply to every aspect of your life your family, your friends, your employees, your colleagues, your pupils, anyone. Equip also runs several groups for the families of people in distress. They need our support and love too. And we have another WAVES group coming up, which is for people who've been bereaved by suicide. Again, you can find out about all of these things on our website under resources. Perhaps you've been listening and you are currently experiencing some mental well-being issues yourself. Maybe you've not told anybody because you're afraid or ashamed and perhaps you've not even reached out to your GP for help. Can I encourage you today to take a step forward and tell someone you're not feeling so great and keep speaking about it till someone connects with you. Consider going and chatting with your GP because medication can offer you a bit of a buffer and you can probably get access to some free counselling. 
I was just hearing at work last week that the team had been supporting someone for quite a long time and their approach had been taking really tiny steps, encouraging them to take tiny steps forward to recovery. And it reminded me of the saying, inch by inch is a cinch, yard by yard is really hard. It's amazing the simple things that are very practical ways to nourish and heal our emotional well-being and build resistance. Things like having hobbies, listening to music, having some form of recreation and exercise, making sure you're connected with friends, maybe get pets, walk in nature, meditate, eat good food, sleep, whatever works for you. If you're in a stressful place, small steps, doing one small thing regularly, can help you get closer to well-being and a sense of progress. What is at just one step that you could be taking to get that forward momentum? Yeah, what is one step you could be taking to get that forward momentum? Let's just pause for a minute. If you aren't in a good place in your head at the moment, I just want to tell you that God wants to be in your head. Is it time you let some others into your life to support you? Are you praying for God to intervene and help you, but it feels silent? Maybe God wants to help you through some other people. Are you able to begin to open up and let them know? At Equip, we may be able to help as well. So it's worth either going on our website or giving us a ring and see what, we, what might be available. Maybe though it's time you did tell someone. Yes, I am going on about that. Tell your friends, hey, I'm just not doing so well at the moment and I think I need some help. Maybe you're in a good place and so perhaps there is someone you could be helping by looking around you to see who needs to experience God's love through you. Just pause and think, who do I know at the moment who is experiencing some mental health challenges? And the stats will tell me, tells all of us, you'll know someone. Is there some way I can connect with them and give them some support? Do I have a skill that may be of practical help to them? Because you may be God's solution to loving that individual or that family. Let's prayerfully ask God to open our eyes to the needs around us, to give us the courage to lean in, love freely, and the wisdom to love wisely. And let's be open to receiving help if it's offered to us. I close with the words of the founders of Equip. If we don't do something, who will? Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz, and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.